Welcome to Jesus Politics, where we bring the scriptures to life and leadership today. Happy Friday to you, and welcome to our journey through Exodus. This week we looked at Exodus chapters 11 and 12, uh, broken up into a couple segments here. In these chapters, it's preparation before the final plague uh, that God visited upon the Egyptians, uh, which is the death of the firstborn. And um, there's a overarching structure that I want to talk about between these two chapters. Bible uh, literary studies uh, have sometimes called this uh, a chiasm or chiasm, and it might be easy, easier to, to think about that in terms of a uh, parentheses, where you, you start at one point and you curve a little bit and you come back uh, to that same point. In fact, I, I would think of this as sort of a end parentheses or a one that's that's pointing uh, toward the right um, as we're looking at sort of a, a progression from general to specific and then back to a general again. So the beginning of chapter 11 starts off with God saying to Moses, there's one more plague and this is what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to go out to the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt will die from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who's behind the millstones, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. This is not just the people, but, but their livestock as well. And so um, this, this is a big overarching God's final straw, uh, final plague that he's doing to the Egyptians. And shortly after that announcement, and uh, some of those immediate effects about um, Moses being sent out and uh, how that's going to work. There is a almost an aside, but in, in the tone of, of how this is being addressed, because they, they move from this final plague, and all the plagues in the past have been, God's going to do this. It's going to hit the Egyptians, not the Hebrew people, so that God can show that they're separated out. But there wasn't a lot that he was asking the Hebrew people to do. And in this final plague, that changes. And I don't know that it changes so much because um, they, they have to do something to avoid this plague, unlike the other plagues. But they are getting ready to be set free and move on to a no, new point in their life. And it, it's time for them to step up and do their part uh, in this work. So... That change happens in chapter 12, where it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of the year for you. So first off, he's saying, from now on, this is your January 1st. You're going to begin and end your year um, with this moment. You're going to memorialize it. And he says, you're going to memorialize it by having this Passover meal. And then he goes and he tells them what that they are supposed to do to protect themselves from this, this angel, this spirit of death that's going to flow through the land and take the lives of all of the firstborn. You have to have a, a, a lamb that you 
prepare and you eat, but you put part of that blood above the doorpost. Um, and that's how the angel of death, spirit of death, again, is going to pass you by, which is how this whole thing got to become pa not known as Passover. It's that, that spirit of death passing over the Hebrew people, those whose doorposts were marked with the lamb's blood. And for the Egyptians who didn't know to do that, and who it was sort of after anyway, they are the ones who are affected by that. So there's this initial, this is what you need to do for tonight because we're getting ready to be gone, be hitting the road, new, new life, new land, new everything. Uh, this is your preparation for that and what you need to do. Begins with this meal. And as you continue through that, he says again, this day will be a memorial for you. So not only is it going to be, you're going to use this day as your New Year Day, um, but you will celebrate it every year as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. And it uses that phrase twice um, in chapter 12 there. And he goes on to say for seven days, for an entire week, you are to eat unleavened bread. And the first day of that week, you're to get all the leaven out of your house altogether. Anything that is leavened is to be gone. And if you refuse to do that, you are cut off from the people of Israel. So he goes and explains that you do this for a week. You have a Sabbath day on that first day, and then you have another Sabbath uh, on the seventh day. So that's the first year, first week of the year. There's two Sabbath days um, in a Christian context. Here in the 21st century, that's like Monday becomes a Sabbath day as well as Sunday um, for that first part of the year. And then he goes on to spell that out again and uh, kind of restating it that in the first month on the 14th day of the month of the evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month of the evening. Seven days, there shall be no leaven found in your house for whoever eats what is leavened that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he's an alien or a native of the land, you shall not eat anything leavened. In all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. And so it's this, this final um, restatement that we've had of the Passover meal being described as you're gonna do it once, and then you're gonna do it every year, and then you're not going to think about it of, oh, it's been a year since Passover. We better do that again. He, he names out the month and he, he kind of gives a date. So that's uh, uh, a marking in, in the time of what that, that is going to look like. And then he goes back, and this is where the, the chiasm curves back, that, that parentheses or bracket curves back. And he goes into uh, reminding them about what he's going to do that this is the end and he's getting ready to strike down all the firstborn from the land again from the pharaoh who sat on the throne to the captive who's in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle and that um, he arises that night pharaoh and uh, the, all the servants of egypt and there's a great cry and so here it is here it is um what god had promised he's he said he was going to do he's doing and that, that preparation in the middle. And I think that's, that's a powerful description of what it is to be God's people. 
God is the initiator of action, but we have our parts there in the middle. And God's going to back up his part. He's going to do what he needs to do there. But if we don't do what we need to do to be in relationship with God and, and what we need to do in that relationship, then we're missing out. And as he, he stated in there, there were very specific things that the Israels were told to do and to not do. And one of those very specific things was to not have any unleavened uh, bread, any unleavened anything that they were eating for that week. That was to be gone, kept out of the house, not to be a part of that. And we can look back um, and say, why? Why does that make sense? Um, in their context, of, in terms of needing to leave, to eat food, they need to have it right then. They didn't have time to wait. And so there's that urgency that they had. But then why in the years that follow is that rule still the same of don't have anything leavened in your house? And uh, throughout that whole week, seven days, you're eating only unleavened bread. Um, why is that kept up? And I think that's important because this is the people who have not had the law given to them yet. They've not had the Ten Commandments. Um, they've not had really any commandments. This is the first thing that's told to them. And it seems arbitrary. It seems very specific. But if you go back to Genesis in uh, the first few chapters there, Adam and Eve, they weren't given the Ten Commandments either. They weren't given to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. They were given one very specific command. Don't eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Anything else in the whole garden you can eat from is don't eat from this one tree. And as we read through that passage in the beginning of Genesis, we realize they were not faithful enough, they were not obedient enough to even follow that one simple command, which they didn't understand. And sometimes we don't understand. But if they weren't faithful enough to follow that one very specific, very simple command, how are they gonna follow the 10 commandments? And applying that same logic here to the Hebrew people in Egypt, if they can't figure out how to get all the unleavened bread out of their house for, for that night to, to eat this particular meal, to mark their, their doorpost with the blood of a lamb and all the preparations that, that go into that. If they're not able to do that one simple thing, how are they going to be a nation of their own? How are they not only going to lead themselves, but their children and their children's children and the generations after them to not just live in a lane and not kill one another, but to live lives faithful to God and being God's people and showing the rest of the world what it means to be God's people. I think often God starts with those small commands and he, re he rewards faithfulness to those small things. And when we're unable to be faithful to those small things, we prove ourselves to be unready of anything else that God has for us. Thoughts to think about, especially in uh, a time where leadership is, is desperately needed. 
and we often don't have a, a, a great wealth of good examples in the present. The small things count. The small things matter. Thank you for joining us for this session in week 10 of our journey through Exodus. This is Tony Franklin. Thank you for joining us for Jesus Politics and our journey through Exodus. See you all next Friday.